um, different songs that talk about meeting inside the eastern gate. And uh, I don't know which one we'll meet at, but we'll find one another. We've, we've got all of eternity to seek each other out. And, and uh, boy, it's, uh, I'm just glad I know. I'm glad I know. I'm glad the Bible declares that, that you can know you pass from death unto life. I'm glad there's a spirit that bears witness. When we hear good, good singing, spirit-filled, and, and think about our Lord waiting inside one of those twelve gates of pearl. And uh, the Bible teaches on the east, west, north, and south there'll be three gates of one great pearl. And I don't know which one we'll enter in, but whichever one we'll enter in, it'll be a glorious one. Somebody else, something on your heart. I'm going to do quite a bit of reading this morning in two different places. Um, Ezekiel chapter number 7, and I, I didn't really intend on reading that, woke up sort of with it on my heart, and John chapter number 5. Ezekiel chapter number 7 and John chapter number 5. <coughs> Ezekiel is is a uh, prophet that God used during the um, siege of Jerusalem and during the captivity. Uh, he was a contemporary with Jeremiah. Um, and he was told to do some sort of strange things from time to time. He would have to sleep on his left side for so many days, then sleep on his right side for so many days. He lost his wife and uh, was not allowed of God to mourn for her in public. And, and there's reasons for all that if you read Ezekiel. It's, it's, um, it was all allegories and types of how God was dealing uh, with, with, uh, with Israel and with Judah. Uh, but Ezekiel saw a vision, and I'm not going to get into that Part, but while you're turning there, I thought I'd share it. He saw a vision, um, several visions, but but probably the saddest one that I found. He saw the the glory of the Lord, which was in the tabernacle, uh, which was in the temple that Solomon had built, and uh, it was a place where there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And inside of that place was the Ark of the Covenant. And on top of the Ark of the Covenant was a mercy seat. And it was the place appointed that when the holy man of God would go in, I believe on the seventh day of the tenth month, um, he would go in with the blood once a year and make an atonement with the blood. And on the mercy seat was a place that the Bible says the glory of God would come down as in a smoke, and meet with His people on top of the mercy seat. And at this time, the, the, the children of Israel and Judah had departed from God. They were still going in the temple, but they were worshiping idols. And Ezekiel saw the glory of God lift up off the mercy seat. And he saw the glory of God lift up off of the temple. And he saw the glory of God 
just rise up and depart. And I've thought different times out of all the visions that had to be one of the most sad things. Um, but I believe we in this time can relate to that. I believe we've seen the glory of God in times past. But for disobedience and for sin and because our hearts have begun to wax cold, uh, we have, I believe, in our lifetime seen the glory of God begin to depart from His churches. And what a sad thing that is. But it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, we can have the glory of God today just like we've always had if we come with the right frame and the right mind. And I meant to mention this a while ago. Brother Benny will be preaching next Sunday. It'll be the fifth Sunday, so he's asked for that. Brother Randy's asked for the next one in May, so remember that. But Ezekiel chapter number 7, and, um, and uh, the, the title over this in my Bible says, The End is Come. And uh, I want you to just listen. It says, Moreover the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Also thou son of man, thus saith the Lord God unto the land of Israel, An end. The end is come upon the four corners of the land. Now is the end come upon thee, and I will send mine anger upon thee, and will judge thee according to thy ways, and will recompense upon thee all thine abominations. And mine eye shall not spare thee, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense thy ways upon thee, and thine abominations shall be in the midst of thee, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, an evil, and only evil, behold, is come. An end is come, the end is come. It watcheth for thee, behold, it is come. The morning is come unto thee, O thou that dwellest in the land. The time is come. The day of trouble is near, and the sounding again of the mountains. Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon thee, and accomplish mine anger upon thee, and I will judge thee according to thy ways, and will recompense thee for all thine abominations. And mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. I will recompense thee according to thy ways and thine abominations that are in the midst of thee, and ye shall know that I am the Lord that smiteth. Behold the day, behold, it is come. The morning has gone forth, the rod has blossomed, pride has budded. Now turn with me to John chapter number 5, and these May not go together, maybe they do, but, but quite a bit of reading in John chapter 5, um, starting with verse 17. It says, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but also said that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For whatsoever things he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. 
For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will show him greater works than these that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth him, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so he hath given the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice. And they shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. You sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth, but I receive not testimony from man. But these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and you are willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father Himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither seen His voice, heard His voice at any time, nor seen His shape. And ye have not His word abiding in you, for whom He hath sent Him ye believe not. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Thinking about these two scriptures, I guess you can time together. Ezekiel had made mention in, in those 11 or 12 verses I read uh, in about a fourth to a half of them. He wanted them to know that the end is come. And, uh, and he was talking, I think, in a twofold way, the way prophets did, that he was talking about the end of, of uh, 
of a couple of things, the end of their freedom, they were being carried off into captivity. Uh, but I think he had a more far-reaching thing in mind as well, and he's talking about the end. And he said, Behold, an end. Then he said, The end is come. And he said, In that day I will not spare, and I will not pity, but I will recompense upon every man, upon every man's head, for the abominations that he has done. And he wanted them to understand that an end, the end is come. And he said, I will shortly bring it to pass. Now, God views shortly in a far different light than I view shortly or that you view shortly. For, for probably close to 3,000 years has passed since Ezekiel wrote those words. And nearly 2,000 years has passed since John wrote these words. We believe he wrote it in about 90 or 95 A.D. Uh, or around there some point. Uh, it was after the other Gospels had been written. But John, uh, again, is speaking about an end uh, that is coming. And uh, if you have had sense in here this morning, and, and I believe you all to be intelligent beings, God has, God has lifted man up. I thought a while ago as we were praying that, that it's quite a remarkable thing to think that somebody that, uh, that He's lifted up from the dust of the earth uh, and has been born again will someday, someday be lifted up high and exalted and to the presence, as Pachita sang, to where God Himself waits at the gate and welcomes those that enter in. Isn't it a glorious thing that He can take the dust and lift up this dust to the earth and one day uh, take it home to glory to be with Him? Uh, but I thought that, that He's given man. And man is different. And I, I'm an animal lover and I love animals. And, uh, and by the way, people have always assumed there'll be no animals in heaven. I don't know one way or the other. I do know this, that the Bible does declare that, that in Revelation chapter 19, heaven opened and behold a white horse. So you have a horse mentioned. I don't know how it'll be or if they'll be there or, or that's not for this here nor there. But, uh, but in any case, God has lifted man up high above the animals. In other words, He's given man knowledge of good and evil. He's given man uh, what animals do not have. He's given man a soul. And He's given man knowledge that an end will surely come. He's given man knowledge as we see loved ones pass uh, from this life into eternity. He's given mankind a knowledge that the animal world does not have. He's given mankind a knowledge that our days are numbered. He's given mankind the Scriptures uh, that Jesus told the people to search those Scriptures. Uh, and He's talking about there the Old Testament, for that's what at that time were referred to as the Scriptures. And I find great comfort in the Scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament. Uh, there was ample evidence, and you've heard me say this time and time again, but there was ample evidence in the Old Testament, in the Scriptures, of a man that would be raised up a prophet like unto Moses, 
and him shall ye hear. It was told in the Scriptures, if they would have only searched them out, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the chosen, the Messiah, uh, the anointed of God, would ride into Jerusalem upon a donkey, upon the foal of an ass. Jesus did that as He rode into Jerusalem for the last time. It was told in the Scriptures in the book of Zechariah that Jehovah said, They will pierce My hands and My feet and I'll be betrayed by a friend. Jesus Christ did this when He was betrayed by His friend Judas and they pierced His hand and His feet. In other words, there was evidence in the Scriptures if they would have only searched them out that if Jehovah is the one that made the statement, they will pierce my hands and my feet. That right there is enough ample evidence just on that fact alone that Jesus Christ in the New Testament is Jehovah of the Old Testament. That there is one God in three distinct persons of the Godhead that make up the Trinity, which is the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. There was enough evidence in the Scriptures to know that Jesus Christ would be born of a virgin according to Isaiah. There was evidence in the Scriptures if they had only searched them out that this was indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what John is concerned with. That's why John wrote the Gospel of John. If you go to the end of the Gospel of John, he says, These things have I written that ye may believe on Him and that believing on His name you may have everlasting life. Uh, but Jesus told him, search those Scriptures. He said there is a time coming. And now they were seeking to take his life uh, simply because he had healed a man on the Sabbath day. If you go back to the first of the chapter 5, uh, you find a man that was laying beside the pool of Bethesda. He was laying up in one of the porches where a great multitude, the Bible said, of sick and impotent and lame and the withered and the halt. In other words, the Bible declares there in John 5 that the angel of God would come down at a certain season and trouble the waters. And whosoever stepped into the water first was made whole of whatever disease that he had. And the Bible said there was a man that had been laying there for 38 years in that sad condition. And Jesus was, uh, was no older than 33 years old at this time. That's all He lived to. Uh, so in other words, this man had been laying beside this pool by the sheep market in Bethesda for longer than Jesus Christ had been on the earth. You have to wonder if there wasn't a time in heaven before Jesus came down and walked among us that the Father said to the Son, Son, when you go down there before you're finished with your work, there's a man that I want you to heal. I'm telling you, everything was worked out from eternity past. 
Jesus went to find this man. I believe he was on a mission to find this man. For 38 years, Jesus finally asked him, He said, Wilt thou be made whole? That was the question that I would ask you today. If you today are lost, if you are concerned, if you have half sense, uh, what Ezekiel said to you, uh, that behold, the end is coming and judgment is coming. And the question was asked of you today, will you be made whole? Uh, now we, uh, we were talking in Sunday school about how that Jesus Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And my friend, that is a profound statement. Uh, for we are still sinners, uh, but He died for us while we were in our sins. And He died for us so that we might be saved. And that's what He told the people here. And He said, These things I say unto you that you might be saved. So He asked that question, Do you want to be made whole? I would ask you a question this morning. Do you want to be saved? If you don't want to be saved, I've got news for you. You're never going to be saved. It's something that... And that want to does not even originate from yourself. It has to come from the Holy Ghost. But there was a time when I was just a little boy... I realized I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior. I didn't know much about doctrine and theology. I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to the man of God. Hadn't really listened to what the man of God said. But somehow or another, God took His words, and I don't even remember what He said, and He took an invitation to the altar, and He asked me, Wilt thou be made whole? In other words, there was something down deep inside my soul when I realized I was separated and lost without God. That I had no communion with the Father. That I needed to be saved. There was a guilt and a condemnation that I could feel down deep within my soul. Then there was a drawing power that was drawing me to a place of repentance and faith. And my friend, that is what, uh, when He asks you, wilt thou be made whole? Uh, he's given you the invitation and by His Holy Spirit, He makes known into the heart of an individual uh, that you are indeed in danger of hellfire and of judgment that is coming. Behold an end. The end is come. So the man answered him, Sir, I have no man to help me into this pool. But while I'm trying to get there, another steppeth down before me. And for 38 years, I've not been fast enough or quick enough to step first into the pool. I'm glad today when it comes to the saving power of God that the race is not to the fast or the swift or the fight to the mighty, but it's of and by the Spirit of the living God that He saves a lost individual. And so He asked that question, 
man, do you want to be made whole? And the man answered, I don't know how. I have tried and I can't get there quick enough. And Jesus simply said to that man, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man rose up took up his bed. In other words, he wanted to be made whole. And now that question goes forth to you today. Do you want to be saved above everything else in this life? Uh, You've got, I believe, to want that above anything and everything else. And Jesus said right there uh, that they sought to kill Him because it was the Sabbath day. And then we picked up our reading. He said, My Father works on the Sabbath and I also work. In other words, on the first Sabbath day, the Bible says God rested from His works. But even on the Sabbath day, does He not send a rain down to the earth? Does He not wake you up every morning? And Jesus said, because My Father works on the Sabbath day, I also work on the Sabbath day. And they said, this man has made himself to be God. And they sought to kill Him. Now these were the ones that had searched the Scriptures but they had no idea all the Scriptures that they had read should have pointed them unto this man. But He said, You will not come to Me that you might have life. Now the Bible says that whosoever cometh and calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can search the Scriptures over and over and over and you will not find not one case, not one case in the Scriptures, yea, in the history of mankind, you will never find one time where a man has come to Christ that wanted to be saved that repented and believed and trusted with all of their heart and He turned them away. It has never happened in the history of God, in the history of man. Because God made a blood covenant with mankind. When Jesus Christ told His disciples, this is the New Testament in My blood, and He said, Drink all of it. Uh, what he was saying is not what it represented, uh, but what it is. That it is the blood of the covenant uh, that I'll make with you. Uh, that if you will but come to me and put your faith in my blood, I will grant you eternal and everlasting life. And you will not come into condemnation because you have already passed from death unto life. Now that's what happens when you're born again. It's not passing from death unto life. Isn't something in the far off future. But if you've been born again, you have already passed from death unto life. In other words, you're, uh, you were dead in your sins and the Bible says the Son of God quickeneth or maketh alive whom He will. Uh, but in order for Him to do that, you have to be willing to come unto Him in repentance 
and faith. You have to be willing to put your trust in that blood, just like Israel of old, the old Hebrews, when they came out of Egypt, they came out of Egypt by one way, by the blood of a lamb, without spot and without blemish. They came out of Egypt by striking the blood of a lamb that was slain upon the doorpost of their houses. And then when the end came for Egypt and the destroyer went through the land, all the people on the inside of those homes were protected as they put their faith in the blood of the Lamb. And my friend, it's the same. He said, you will not come to me. I would ask you another question, and that would be why. Why won't you come to Him that you might have life? He just told you in John 5 that the day is coming that those that are dead in the graves shall hear the voice of the Son of God and shall come forth. There shall be a resurrection both of the just and of the unjust that we might receive in our bodies the things that we have done, whether that be good or whether that be bad. There will be a resurrection and there will be a judgment that will fall upon every man woman and child that has ever lived, ever been conceived in the womb, there will be a time when every last one of you and me will stand before a holy God and there we will be judged. And my friend, we were talking in Sunday school and I mentioned this last Sunday and a lot of people get caught up in in hyper-Calvinism and predestination and all of that. That is a a complicated doctrine that I'll not get into. But let me just say this. Whoever dies lost without God and goes to hell, it will not be because they're not one of the elect. And no, sir, it'll be because you would not come to me that you might have life. He said, search the Scriptures. If you search them inside and out, all the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi and the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation, they all point to the Son of Man, the Son of God. They all point to Jesus Christ. And the Bible just told you that God has granted him all judgment. The Bible said God the Father judges no man, but has committed all judgment unto his Son. And so because the Son was obedient unto the Father and condescended down to be born of a human flesh and took upon him the human flesh, God hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name and he's exalted him to the place of the judge of all the earth. Now my friend, I would ask you those two questions. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to be made whole? If you say yes, preacher, I would ask you the follow-up question, then why? Why won't you come to him? You have a promise in His Word that whosoever cometh unto Me, He says, I will in no wise cast out. You need to bear that in mind. 
because Satan will take those same Scriptures and twist them as he's done throughout the course of his time and he will twist the Scriptures and there are a great many people uh, today that are living that think, well, they're elect and they're not elect. Uh, they're predestined for heaven and they're predestined for hell. There'd be no calling in any of it if that were the case. Uh, but my friend, the case is clearly said before you and when Jesus said, you will not come to Me, He didn't say you cannot. He said, but you will not. You will not come to Me that you might have life. And so He's saying that to somebody here this morning. You will not come to Me. But if you would only come to Me, He said, I'm talking to you and telling you this, that you might be saved. I'm telling you the end is come. According to Ezekiel, the end is come. And the end is coming for every last one of us whether it be by the end of the world which is coming or whether it be by the end of your natural days, uh, one way or the other, you will slip out into eternity. And my friend, it's not that first death that you have to worry about, uh, but you that are lost without God. Uh, the Bible has a doctrine in Revelation called the second death. And it's that second death uh, when a man is cast into a lake of fire and brimstone. And the Bible says the torment and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever and ever. And they have no rest uh, day or night from all of their troubles. I thought about uh, the, the, the place that's so horrible uh, that the Bible says people are begging uh, for just a drop of water uh, to cool their tongue. Working in a pharmacy, we have to reconstitute liquids a lot. And we have to put so many, uh, we have to calculate IV drips. And, and we have to calculate how many drops come in a bottle of eye drops and how long that ought to last so the insurance will know how long that that bottle will last. And i got to think, and about that in a little bitty bottle of eye drops there's about a hundred drops in a little five ml bottle and he might say what does that have to do? I mean to be in such a shape uh, that you just want somebody for one drop uh, to cool your tongue because the Bible says I'm tormented in this flame and there has to come a point where those that are in hell I know that they're there forever and they know that they had an opportunity but they would not come to Him that they might have life. And if they would only come to Him, you might say, Preacher, I don't want to go up in front of everybody and pray. Well, you don't really have to. You can get saved at your seat if you want to. But it is a good place. But let me tell you this. Five minutes after you're in hell, you wouldn't care to come back in front of 108,000 at Neyland Stadium and bow down wherever and whenever for one more opportunity uh, just let me get to you that I might have life and I might have it forever. Amen. I'm telling you today the end is come. I'm afraid the end is coming. I'm afraid the end of America as we know it is coming. I'm afraid the end of our freedom to worship as we know it 
is coming. I'm afraid as I've preached for the last two years about this great reset, it is coming. I'm afraid that there's nothing that mankind can do about it. And you might say, preacher, how can you, how can you live under conditions like that? Well, the fact of the matter is, I can't really do anything about that. But you that are here, and God's given me charge to pastor you as an under-shepherd, all I can do is warn you and paint you a picture of where you'll end up if you do not come to Jesus. There is but one way. I know people say that's the most narrow-minded way. All religions are the same. If you're sincere, that is not so. Uh, that is simply not true. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And search the Scriptures, for they testify of Me. But He said, even though, even though you've searched them, even though you ought to know all about it, He said, you still will not come to Me. Sunday after Sunday, for right at three years, I've tried my best to preach unto you. And some of you still have not come. So I'd ask you the question, do you want to? Do you want to be saved? Some of you maybe have been saved and you just don't trust Him. There, there comes a point where it's by faith. There comes a point where He says that, that whosoever believeth there comes a point. I'm not trying to preach easy believism or anything like that. Don't misunderstand me. But I mean the promises of God are yea and amen. That He said, Whosoever believeth in Him that sent Me hath everlasting life. Whosoever believeth in Me, though He were dead, yet shall He live. Do you want to live forever? Or do you want to die forever? For the end is near. And the end is coming. That's what Ezekiel said. That's what Jesus said. And He said, Marvel not at this. The hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear His voice. He said, You sent unto John, and John bear witness of Me. But He said, I have a greater witness than that of John. The Father testified of the Son when He was baptized. A voice from heaven came down and said, This is My beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit testified when it descended like a dove and lighted upon the newly baptized Lord Jesus Christ. He, but He said there's a greater witness still. What's that? It's the witness of the Holy Spirit in your heart. That's the witness. See, God has not left Himself without a witness. Do you have that witness within yourself? Uh, do you have a place, search the Scriptures, and in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of Me? Uh, there was a place in the Old Testament called Ebenezer. That was one of the Scriptures that testified of Jesus Christ. How can a place testify of Jesus Christ? Because there was a place, Ebenezer, it was the raising up of a stone. It was a marker. It was a place where they raised up a stone and said, there's where God met with us. Do you have an Ebenezer in your life that you can go back to and say, there's where the Lord saved my soul? Do you have an Ebenezer uh, that when somebody comes along the way, uh, they'll see that stone you set up and what it says to them is, I've been here. And I'm saved by the grace of God. 
Uh, my friend, do you have an Ebenezer? Uh, do you have a stone that you've raised up? I'm glad I've got more than one Ebenezer. I'm glad I, I've got an Ebenezer that's taking flight on a helicopter. It was there that God raised me back to life. I've got an Ebenezer outside of a little country store where God called me to preach. And He called me to pastor. And He called me to preach His Word. And I promised Him that day, Oh God, if You'll just help me, I'll raise up a stone. Uh, my friend, you know, uh, when the troubles come, when anxiety comes, when fear begins to set in, uh, when the enemy will not pursue, uh, leave off his pursuit, you know where to go? You go to Ebenezer. You go to that stone. You go to that place where you raised it up. And you know what? Hell itself cannot stand against that place. The devil can try as he may. He can't change the fact that if you've been born again, you came to Him for life and you found eternal life and you found joy and peace in your soul. Preacher, I know what the devil tells me. That's not real. The devil's a liar. You need to understand that. He's a liar. He'll say anything he can do to quench your testimony. As Danny said a while ago, if you've been saved, you need to tell somebody that you've been saved, that you've got an Ebenezer, that you have came to Him for life. If you don't come by Jesus Christ, you'll never get eternal life. If you don't come by the new, true, and living way, then the Bible says you're condemned already. He that believeth on the Son hath life. The Bible says, He that believeth not, it's not that you will be condemned. It's not that you will be cast into hell. It's not that you will be judged and cast into the lake of fire. But the Bible says, Jesus Christ Himself said, if you believe not, then you are condemned already. Because you believe not. In the name of the only begotten Son of God, so let me ask you, do you want to be saved? Do you want to know if you've been saved? It's a good place to find out. It's a good place to come. It's a good place to find if you've got an Ebenezer. You can chase the devil back to Ebenezer and he can't get any farther. You see, the blood makes a barrier that Satan cannot pass beyond the blood. He can't do it. It's a barrier. It's a banner. And so we as God's people need to lift up that bloodstained banner. I started off by saying Ezekiel saw the glory of God leaving the... I'm telling you, I want a revival. I don't know about you. I'm hungry for a revival. I'm hungry to see our sinners saved. I'm hungry. I've seen visions. You say, preacher, you've seen fantasies. You might call them that. I believe I've seen truths that God has begun to show me that people in this place will move. But He said, you will, just, you will not come to Me. If you never come to Him, then the wrath of God indeed abides on you. And you're heaping up yourself wrath against the day of wrath. And there'll come a day and you'll think, oh my, I wish... I wish with all my heart I could go back. But you see, we only have one opportunity in this life. And what I mean by that is you might have more than one opportunity to be saved. But we only got one life to live. You can't come back and get a do-over. 
So if God should strike your life away, if He who gives you the breath of life, He is the life giver, the Bible says, as the Father hath life in Himself, so He hath given the Son to have life in Himself. And whomsoever He will, He, he gives that life unto all of those that come unto Him by faith and put their faith in the blood and nothing else but only in that precious blood. I said it a while ago and I'm done. Get you a song. We'll never comprehend what Jesus Christ took in upon Himself on the cross. We'll never comprehend what He took upon Himself in His own body. And He said, even though knowing all of that, even though knowing the cross, even though knowing the torture and the pain and the cat and nine tails and the nails driven in His hands, He said, even knowing all of that, you still will not come unto Me. My, my. What an accusation. Will you come unto Him today? Get your song together. We'll give you an invitation. If you want to come and seek the Lord, if He's dealing with your heart, now's the opportunity. If you need to come and just find out if your Ebenezer is a real place, I'm giving you that opportunity. If you want to unite with this church, that we can baptize you. Just, just when we baptized Colby this afternoon, I'm giving you that opportunity. I'm giving you an opportunity to do whatever it is that you need to do. Maybe it's just a stand and thank you. I've been here three years. In three years, are you telling me, some of you, God has never once laid a thought upon your heart that I maybe need to stand up and witness and tell, there's some of you I've never heard those words come out of your mouth. Now, I'm not fussing at you. I believe me. I've been in enough godless places and churches and seen people stand up when God's not in it. Better off just to sit down and keep your mouth shut. But when He passes by, you mean in three years since I've been here, not one time, if you can honestly say, preacher, not one time, I'd say maybe you need to draw a little closer into it. Amen. 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 Because He tells us in His Word, let the redeemed say so. If He's not in three years since I've been here giving you one word to say, maybe it's time you draw a little closer and ask Him, Lord, what is it You want me to do? You understand we've got death about us. Our sinners are dying. They're dying a little more every day. And if they slip out into eternity lost without God, you never have an opportunity again to witness to them. Never. They're gone. Their end is indeed come. Whatever it is that you need to do, do that today. Go ahead, brother.